this is Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozo where we talk with experts about trends and practices, current and tried and true, and we tell you how to implement them in your own marketing strategies. It's Marketing Then and Now, now. Hello, and welcome to a brightly lit, feel good, feed the soul type of edition of Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell. My name is Jim Mingy, and I will be your host on this warm and fuzzy journey upon which we are about to embark, because today we're going to be talking about paying rent. And I know you're probably thinking, Jim, rent is not very warm and fuzzy, but in this case it is. In this case, the rent is not too damn high. It is just right. In fact, we are always looking for ways to increase the rent. What am I talking about? We are going to explore the history of paying rent for the space you occupy on Earth. It's a saying that one of Bozell's co-founders, Morris Jacobs, coined, and it's one that's still alive today as a core value at Bozell, more than 100 years after Jacobs founded the company with Leo Bozell. With me today, a very special guest. It's one of Bozell's leaders when it comes to paying rent, and that is Laura Spaulding. She's the director of corporate communications, and Laura and others pretty much Everybody here at Bozell has had a hand in helping out um, lead this charge when it comes to giving back. Uh, it's a very uh, big deal to us here. And Laura is going to help us explain why paying rent is such a big deal, not just to Bozell, but to you know why that should matter to your company um, and why we at Bozell hold that idea so close to our hearts. So let's start this conversation with explaining what exactly maybe where that more on where that phrase came from, um, what exactly that idea means, paying rent for the space you occupy on Earth. Um, you know, just give us a little background on where that came sure. from. Sure. Um, I don't actually know if I know the actual history behind it or where Morris Jacobs got it or if he coined it or any of that. I do know that he has mentioned it several times in his memoirs. Yeah. And he explained it as we pay the rent um, – in order to in order to service to our nation, service to our city, service to our religion of choice, it was one of the you know pillars that he had thought of. But the service to our you know fellow man was something that he held important. One of his quotes, and I wrote it down so I could read it here in his memoirs, said, "As far as I'm concerned, the satisfaction and pleasure I received as the head of a very successful advertising." and public relations agency was equaled by the satisfaction and pleasure I received by volunteering what talents I had in efforts for the betterment of our fellow man. And I think that that pretty much explains it, that we do work and we have these talents that we can all share. And that's great when it's in your work environment, but when you can turn that into a passion and something to help the community and help those who are most in need, that is when we can make a contribution to the society and to the space that we use on this earth. That's a good. I think that's a good good explanation. So, what, what were, did they have uh, special uh, passion projects back in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties? You know, back <laughs> yeah. in that, back in Leo Leo and well, Morris's day, did they have special yeah. projects that they worked? I mean, we have lots of them that we can, and we'll get into a yes. few here in a minute. But did, do you know of any that they, they had? Yeah, so um, I have a couple of them that I would love to talk about. Um, Morris was 
in command of Bozell and Jacobs until 1967. So I have a couple examples from underneath the founders era, which is what we call yeah. 1921 through 1967. Okay. Um, during that founders era, um, one of the first things that we worked on was Boys Town. It's one of the things that mm, I think yeah. we as Bozell talk about very frequently. We worked on that account for a lot of years, but it was introduced to us through J.E. Davidson, who was our Nebraska Power Company client. Okay. So he actually worked with Father Flanagan at Boys Town to, and helped raise money for them. He was in charge of their capital campaign early on in like the early 1920s. So right as Bozell and Jacobs was beginning. Okay. Um, and according to Morris, and again, I'm pulling from his memoirs because I was not around in 1960s <laughs> and 70s to know Morris personally. Um, but Morris says that he helped name Boys Town. Before that, it was Father wow. Flanagan's Home for Boys, oh, yeah, I yeah. think is what sure. it was. Yeah. yeah. So he claims that him and his brother, Nate Jacobs, helped name Bo- Boys Town. Um, so he claims that. He also claims that they had a hand in the famous slogan, um, he ain't heavy father, he's my brother. It was one of their campaigns to okay. raise money. That would and, make sense, yeah. Okay, you know, marketing guy, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so he um, and his brother helped work on this campaign for a really long time. And they got to do all kinds of publicity for Boys Town. And they, you know, did ads and they raised money. And after some time, they decided that this was taking actually a lot of time and effort to do. And so they encouraged Father Flanagan to hire people or hire someone to do all of their capital campaigns. So they would start doing the publicity of it. But someone else would kind of do the outreach for the money. So it kind of morphed over time as it does. Okay. Um, but one of the things I think that, in, in addition to he, he Ain't Heavy Father, one of the other things that we like to talk about and Morris definitely talks about in his memoirs is the hand we had in helping the movie come to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the movie. Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> Oscar-winning movie. You're right. I should have said that. <laughs> Starring Spencer Tracy. Um, so the story goes, according to Morris, that we had written an article. It was a publicity article, kind of like native advertising today. Yeah. And we had written a publicity article, and we sent it out, and it got run in Family Circle magazine. Well, this Family Circle magazine article was seen by the wife of an MGM producer. Oh, yeah, okay. And that MGM producer's name was John Considine. So John Considine's wife sees this article. Big producer. Yeah. yeah that, at <laughs> yeah. the time. Yes, yeah. 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 1930s, mid-30s. Yeah. And she goes to her husband and says, I think this would be a good story for a movie. John agrees. John brings it to the head guy at MGM, Mr. Mayor. And Mr. Mayor agrees. And he says, this would be a good movie. Why don't you fly him out here? So they called up Father Flanagan. They asked him to come to Hollywood so that they can talk about making a movie out of Boys Town. Well, Father Flanagan was kind of, what am I going to do with this? Called up Morris Jacobs, asked Morris to come with him. So Morris and Father Flanagan go out to California, meet with Mr. Mayor and John Considine at MGM Studios. They have the whole conversation. And in the meeting, they sign over the rights of Boys Town to MGM Studios. So... I mean, they got a little money out of the deal. It was probably a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Father Flanagan in, in La La Land in Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> yep, that's what it I was. Need, I need a co-pilot, man. You're coming with me. 
Yeah, so ultimately, I mean, they got a little money out of it, but they got a lot of publicity out of it because it was this huge feature-length film. It ended up winning an Oscar, huge success. Um, And because of all of that success, MGM did end up giving them a little bit more money on the back end after all of the success. So I think they made a pretty decent dollar amount out of it, and it was a huge success. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. Well, that's a very big example. Yeah, well, and Morris (laughs) got to be a part of it, which is exciting, I think, for our side of it. Um, One of the other stories that I like to talk about during the Founders era is maybe smaller, um, but I think it really tells the story of who Morris Jacobs was as a person. And it is a story about Creighton, which I'm a Creighton. I'm from Creighton. I went to Creighton. Yeah. I'm an right. alum. So, so this one I feel like is a little bit maybe um, near and dear to my heart, if you will. Um, but Morris received a phone call from his from a friend, and they said that they were going over to Creighton to meet with Father Reiner, who was the president of Creighton at the time. And now we're talking probably the 1950s. So in the 1950s, okay. Morris goes to meet with the president of Creighton University and some of his other business friends and partners. And what he finds out is he goes to this meeting and they are asking him to head up the capital campaign, be in uh, charge of you know raising money for the university. Like what you did with Boys Town. Yeah, Why yeah. Don't you do that for us. Something like that. Yes. Um, so he shows up and he says. I mean, I can't really do this right now. I don't have, I have this European vacation planned with my whole family. So his wife and his daughter, as well as another couple, they have all of these reservations. Everything's booked and he has all of this reserved and he can't just like cancel. He's got all the people involved. And Father Reinert tells him, why don't you sit on this for a day or two? You know, pray on it. Talk about it with your family. Just think about it. Don't say no right here in this meeting. So that's what Morris does. Morris goes back home. He talks about it with his family. His family says, this is your decision to make. You have to make this decision. Hmm. So he thinks about it. He sleeps on it. He prays on it. And at the end of the day, he canceled all of his trips and he raised the money. And of course, they blew the goal out of the water by several thousand dollars. And they did all of the things to help Creighton continue to be an institution that it is today. Because he canceled a European vacation. (laughs) I did not know that one. Yeah. So that's another one where I feel like it really just tells who Morris was yeah. and what his mentality toward giving back and partnering with the community was really all about, I guess. You know, he also talks in his memoirs about how he's not sure if he can say that all of his community work helped the business, but it certainly helped the reputation of the business. When you have good oh, people yeah. working for a company, even if it doesn't help the bottom line, it helps the reputation of that company. Yeah. And so Morris felt... It was worth it the whole time. So awesome! All right. That's well, a- those are that's two very good examples. Yeah, yeah. epic. Morris, what a dude! And <laughs> exactly. I didn't know anything about Nate. I thought that's, that sounds like a whole other podcast episode. Who's, oh yeah, there's a, there's, a <laughs> there's a lot of family. There's a lot of family in here. There's like a Nate. There's a uh, yeah. Alan Jacobs. I think there's you know Chuck Peebler was his ne- his son-in-law. Yeah, it was a family ordeal back then. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward to a little more, you know, uh, closer to the present time. Um, And this is something that I was, I mean, we have a, we have a lot of examples. We'll we'll just talk about a few here, you know, for time's sake today. But one I wanted to talk about um, uh, that sticks out to me because this was, I was involved with this. And I think it was the first week that I started at Bozell in in 2016. um, And it was free ad day. I mean, I, I literally, I, I'm pretty sure that was like the first week I worked there and we were doing this free ad day and I had no idea what the heck was going on. <laughs> so 
explain to me this free ad day we had, why we did it, what we did, and maybe you know some of the results, you know, the outcome of, of that of that day. It was an epic sure. day. Yeah, um, free ad day was born out of a brainstorming session about how we could celebrate our 95th anniversary. We were doing the basic stuff. We were going to have, you know, invite our clients to an open house, make sure we had like a a little party. We were going to celebrate. We were going to do the things yeah. um, that you n- normally do, I guess, when you're celebrating in a, an anniversary. But we wanted to do something that was much more different. We wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something that would make us feel good, that would honor this 95 years of tradition that we had and so we were brainstorming ideas. And I want to say the creative director at the time was the one who came up with the idea. Okay. And a little bit, there was a lot of questions about the 95th or about free ad day. So the basis of free ad day was that we wanted to do 95 pieces of work in one day. And so how are we going to do 95 pieces of work in one day? Jeez. And how are we going to do it without devaluing the work that we typically do? How are we going to do it to make it? good <laughs> because typically when we're doing work we have to do you know we do the research we do this insights we do what would that normally be a year or two's yeah. worth of, I, mean, <laughs> I mean depending upon the work I mean, yes but yeah but like so i mean typically we you know we plan we strategize we do all of this research and all of this insights and try to make sure that we're using every single dollar that our client has wisely and on purpose and for reasons and not just creative for creative sake is typically how we work with all of our clients so how are we going to do 95 pieces of creative in a day without just making it not great, right? Yeah, yeah. How, do, how do we make it good? Um, so these are all the questions that we asked and, you know, we tackled them or we allowed ourselves some freedom or flexibility or understanding that as long as we explained what we were doing and why we were doing it and set expectations with the people who were walking in the door that this is what we're doing this is what we're giving you. You know, there's no rounds of revisions and there's no yeah. like, you can't give me, you know, a 10 page creative brief to yeah. sign off on and all this stuff. And that's literally what happened. The doors, we just opened the doors and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. Anybody off the street yep. need a logo? Come on in. Yeah. We publicized it a little <laughs> bit. We pushed it on social. We, um, you know, shared it on a, a few things so that we did have probably a we few dozen like things before we walked in the door that morning. Okay. So we knew that there was a few dozen things happening, but we didn't know whether or not we were going to get to 95 yeah. for sure. That's and nice. yes, we just opened the doors. Nice. We had someone stationed at the front door being like, come on in, you're in the right place. What can I do? And we had a questionnaire of like, what are you trying to accomplish? And what do you need from us today? And yeah. why do you need it? And that kind of thing. So it's not a full creative brief, but we did ask a few questions up front so that we could kind of help where we needed to. But at the end of the day, I mean, we were trying to do something exciting. So we closed our doors to our everyday clients and opened our doors to the people who don't typically get to have a full agency partnership. The nonprofits, the small businesses, the individuals, the people working for themselves. We opened our doors to them and said it was free. You get one thing from us. You don't get to come in here and say, I want, you know, 10 things, but, and it was all free and that's what they got to do. So we did book covers, company logos, business cards, postcards, I don't know, wedding invites. Like we did all kinds of different creative pieces. And, you know, but... I remember there were some really cool, especially like the, you know, logos or taglines that were, you know, created for these people who were starting a business and had no idea really how to start or what they needed to do first. Yeah. There was some really, I mean, it was like... 
Yeah, and you can still see some of it out out in the wild, as I call it. There is some that you see out in the wild today that we created on free ad day in 30 minutes or less. That's nuts. And it's still out there. I've seen it. And and that's crazy. Um, One of my favorite things that is out in the wild still is the Bill Ranby sleeve Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, That's a classic. So I was going to say, for people who don't know who Bill Ranby is, he's a local weatherman. Yeah. And... He's been he's known to roll up his sleeves, especially when, it's, when weather gets hairy, yeah, right? Like when yeah. things get kind of intense, and the more intense it gets, <laughs> the more his sleeves go up. So we made a sleeveometer, which was a chart that said if his sleeves, you know, are up to the elbows, it's this. If it's up to the shoulders, it's like seek shelter or whatever. So, but that gets brought up almost every time that there's bad the weather. Yeah, it's, whether it be in the summer or yeah. winter, whatever. Yeah, and sometimes you know, it's that's... you know their channel sharing it. Sometimes it's his. You know, he's sharing it. Sometimes it's just random people sharing it. And maybe they don't know that Bozell made it, but Bozell knows they made it. And it's so fun to see it and share it every single time that there's intense weather. All-time favorites. Um, But, yeah, in the end, we ended up doing 111 pieces of creative that day. So in nine hours. So our team made it happen. We can do that in nine hours. Imagine what we could do for you. I don't know, Jim. (laughs) Again, I go back to a lot of times we just really like it rooted in research and insights and making sure we're doing things on purpose. No, I'm saying. But that day we threw it out the window. We could do that in 30 minutes. Imagine if you gave us a couple of weeks. Yeah. And a creative brief. (laughs) What's that? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I love. Yeah, that that was a blast. And it was just like such a, I mean. It was just, I, it, and it was team building. Like all of us got to work together. Well, Everyone I got to in know the room had ideas. Really fast. Yeah, you know, from from you know art directors to to copywriters. To, you know, it, it was just bouncing around the media department. I mean, we I was were all everywhere. working we fast. Were all everywhere. We created media plans for people. That's like crazy. it wasn't just you know a creative image. Yeah, everything wasn't visual. Yeah. We had messaging. We had media plans. That's it cool. was fun. Everyone got to jump in. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, what well, one of the uh, one of the big projects I wanted to talk about is something that we're involved with uh, in a very big way every 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 year is the Make a Wish Foundation. Um, you, I think, even before coming to Bozell, you know, many years ago in a galaxy <laughs> far far away, were involved with Make a Wish Foundation. How, how did you get connected with them, and and then how did that how did you bring that to Bozell and tell us a little bit about you know. Some highlights, obviously, you know. We can't, can't talk go, about every but, single but, thing. You know, yeah. Just give us a little taste of <laughs> sure. and, and why that's such a big deal for us. Sure. So in my high school, so as you say, many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was in high school. And we had a girl who was a WISH recipient. Um, and she was very active in Make-A-Wish. And she wanted to give back to Make-A-Wish. And her sister and her family did all of did a lot of work for Make-A-Wish. Um, while we were in high school, her sister started an organization that we called the Miracle Makers um, in our high school. And all it did was raise money all year round to give to Make-A-Wish. And we did all kinds of fundraisers. We did pregame dinners. We did impromptu plays. We did all kinds of fundraisers throughout the year. And I got to be a part of that group. And it was a small group of people organizing events. And 
I ended up my senior year being president of this organization. But in addition to planning all of these events, we got to grant the wish. So my senior year, we raised $12,000, which was more than enough to grant a wish. And so we got to actually show up to the new wish recipient's house and help give the gift. And his wish was for a laptop. And way back when, the laptop was really expensive and it didn't have all the bells and whistles and all the things that we had. So, you know, he got a digital camera and he got the laptop and he got all of the, you know, extras that went with it as part of his wish. And he wanted that laptop because he was constantly in the hospital and he wanted to be able to stay connected. And, you know, all of us have phones in our pockets now, but phones back then didn't exist. And, And so this was his wish and we got to hand it over and we got to participate and be there that day. And so, you know, you don't really think about it at all. But then we found out that that wish recipient ended up passing away several months later. Mm -hmm. So we went to the funeral. We felt like it was our duty as people who were part of his wish, part of his life, to show up to the funeral. And as we were leaving, we we were walking through the parking lot, and the dad ran us, like ran to us and said, I can't believe you guys are here. This is what Make-A-Wish means. I hope you know what you meant to my son. And he just kind of went on and on about this (laughs) wish and how it changed his life and how he was able to spend these last several months connected to his friends and his family because of what we did. And, I mean, to not be involved after that is would be actually more crazy. So I think that that very personal experience is why I'm still involved with Make-A-Wish. So... You know, I went out to college, was pretty busy, not involved, graduated college, decided I needed to do some more, went to Make-A-Wish, started volunteering, and now I've been a volunteer for Make-A-Wish forever. (laughs) Fast forward to about 2014 or 15, um, they knew I worked for an advertising agency just through my volunteering. They said that they were looking for a new advertising agency. They were going to have an RFP process. Um, They asked if we would submit a proposal, of course, I went to the owners and I was like, can we please, please, please do this? And they were like, of course we can. Um, because they knew how much it meant to me. They knew, you know, they have this mantra of paying rent for the space we occupy Mm -hmm. on this earth. So they said, yes, let's do it. We're in. And so we got a pitch team to get ready and we pitched and we won. And now we've been their agency ever since. So we've been able to be their agencies since about 2015, I think, give or take. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so each year, and this so, is, is this for like the, the Nebraska chapter? Or, so this or, is the Nebraska or, chapter. So okay. it's statewide. It's okay. the whole state, um, but the Nebraska chapter of Make-A-Wish. And we do a lot of different things for them. Every single year we work on the Blue Jean Ball, which is their largest fundraiser. It is their gala. Um, right. their silent auctions and dinners and that kind of give, or live auctions and silent auctions, dinner, um, but it's a huge fundraiser for them every single year. So we work on all of the event materials for that pr- completely pro bono every year. Um, we also have done three statewide campaigns at this point. So in 15, 17, and then we just completed one in 21. And um, those are statewide campaigns. So it's kind of, it's the goal is general awareness, but we ask, what the ask is to donate, volunteer, or refer a wish today. That's kind of where we've been um, trying to ask people to participate and engage with Make-A-Wish, whether it's through volunteering and donating or whether it's through actually referring a wish because anyone can refer 
a wish. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to have to go through an approval process, the doctors, all the things. But um, so general awareness it means that more wishes, more children who deserve and need wishes will get them. So general awareness across the state. So we've done three campaigns that way. And then since we've started, they have started a new Young Leaders Council is what they call it. And since starting that, um, they asked for Carrie, who is a Bozeller, um, and myself to be on that board. So Carrie and I have been on that board since they started the Young Leaders Council, and we do wine, whiskey, and wishes every year. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yes. Yeah. So Wine, Whiskey, and Wishes is a fun annual event. Yeah. It's a tasting. So it started um, as the idea was mostly wine and whiskey, but we knew we had to kind of maybe throw in some beer for some this, people. And this who was aimed at like, like the getting a, a, the younger generation, you know, maybe yep. those millennials and maybe some even the Gen <laughs> Zs. I guess they're maybe they're too young, but the millennials and, and, the, and the yeah. Gen Xers you know, to get more of the young uh, people involved in, in Make-A-Wish. Is yeah. That, yep. Yeah? And it's just more casual. It's more of like a happy hour type event instead of like the Blue Jean Ball, which is yeah. like a sit down dinner. Wine, Whiskey, and Wishes is, like you said, it's much more aimed at a younger audience. It's much more of a happy hour, mingling type thing. But you have auction items, like cool Cool auction, auction items. items. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Blue Jean like Ball is really, really cool awesome ones too. Concert but yes. tickets and like sporting event tickets. Yep. Yes, yeah. and yeah. and honestly, due to Omaha's success, Lincoln has started their own wine and whiskey okay. and wishes as well. well so, um, yeah, so that one's expanding as well. You know, we're kind of just constantly adapting to how we can make sure that we're always granting wishes and whatever it takes for us to raise the money necessary to grant the wishes. That's what we do. So, we're right. kind of involved in a lot of different ways. So, from personally volunteering. To Bozell's interaction, to sitting on their council, we're kind of ingrained one. in the Make-A-Wish yeah. of Nebraska. That's very cool lifestyle now. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about, and you talked about some of this, but more on the the why, why, why we do work like this, why it's important for um, whether you, I guess you're a marketing or advertising agency or any kind of business to 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 give back and and you know pay rent for the space you occupy on Earth. I mean. Why is that such a, why should that, or why do you think, in your sure, humble in opinion? <laughs> um, I mean, I certainly you could probably answer why it's so important to Bozell, but, I mean, it's kind of important for everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, know. well, I mean, I definitely am of the belief that, you know, nonprofits, all of them, no matter what their purpose is, no matter what their mission is, are exist in order to strengthen our community, right? That's, that's why nonprofits exist whether it's feeding the hungry or giving wishes to, you know, sick children and giving them their childhood back, whether it's through organ donation, whether it's any of the above. I mean, no matter what the nonprofit is there for, they are there to strengthen the community in some sort of way. They yeah. saw some uh, missing gap that they wanted to fill. That's what the nonprofit world exists for. And I just think no matter if you're a Bozell or anyone else, if you want the community to give back to you, if you want a community to, you know, buy your product, if you want the community to give you something when you're in need, whatever it is, then you need to support the nonprofit community world as well. So the stronger the community, the stronger the businesses, the stronger the people. Like, I think it's just kind of a... a give and take. You can't just take. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think specifically for Bozell, you know, one our mission is 
that we want to empower those who aspire to change the world. And I think that that is true for for-profit businesses and it is true for nonprofit businesses that we want to work with people who want to change the world, whether they're making a profit or not. And as marketers, we have a talent that is not always cheap, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so being able to use our talents for good, um, I think we have a duty to kind of give of our talents in, in whatever capacities that we can, whenever we can. Whether it's marketing or not marketing, I believe that in humanity, <laughs> you sure. know, we should all give of our talents. And so in marketing specifically, being able to give to nonprofits in a way that um, helps them do their job, helps them strengthen the community, yeah. kind of comes back tenfold, right? I mean, like that's how, yeah. you know, I think we just kind of believe in things. The other thing specifically for Bozell is, um, and maybe I'll say selfishly, we think it's good for our people. We think it's good for morale. We think it's good for our culture. We think it's good for our We're employees good to for know. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, that we will invest in them and their passion projects. So a lot of the nonprofits that we like to work with have a connection to Bozell. They're either connected to our employees, connected to our clients, connected to our mission, connected to us in some way. And making sure that our employees get to spend some time on some of those passion projects, I think makes for a better culture and work environment at Bozell as well. I agree, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, so here's a question, and, and, and I, I think I probably know the answer, but I'll ask anyway. So of all the, the projects we've talked about, uh, you know, what brings you the most most joy and, and why? I, so, I mean, I feel like you think I'm going to say Make-A-Wish, but I'm not picking a, a project, I think. Okay. I think what brings me the most joy in our work with nonprofits is when I can see the results. Um, whether we're working for, you know, live on Nebraska or make a wish Nebraska or, you know, trek up the, t whatever it is, all of our nonprofits. When I think it's the most rewarding when I can see results. So I believe in these nonprofits. We believe in these nonprofits. We think that we're investing our time and our talents and our efforts into these nonprofits because we believe in their mission. And if we didn't, we wouldn't. Right. Yeah. So when we can see that what we are doing has a positive effect on the nonprofit and all of those people that they each one of those nonprofits serve, that's when I feel like the most joy. When I can get like to the end of it and I can say, we were able to grant X number of wishes. We were able to um, bring awareness of this nonprofit to X number of people. When we raised this amount of money more than ever before, whatever the goal is and whatever results we get, Seeing those results are what brings, I think, the most joy because it means a bottom line result for the nonprofit. And I think that that's the best part, okay. I guess. All right. All right. <laughs> Very good answer. Very good answer. All right. Well, I want to thank you for, you know, sharing all this. Uh, I love hearing about it. I love that we that we do it. I love that 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 uh, you know paying rent for this space you occupy on Earth. I love that that is a, a, a core value at Bozell. And uh, see, I told you this was going to be warm and fuzzy, <laughs> right? Do we deliver? I think we delivered. But 
But before we go. I knew it. I've been listening, Jim. I knew what was coming. (laughs) We've got a a quick three questions that we want to wrap this up on. And the the first one I did give you a little heads up because I knew you might have to get out a calculator and figure this out. And maybe you still don't even have an answer. I don't know. But I wanted to ask because I was curious. Do you have any idea how many hours that Bozell has donated to nonprofits (laughs) since since 1921? (laughs) Absolutely no idea how many hours Bozell has donated. How about since okay, okay, that that was a, that was. A I mean, maybe that let's say like more than like, a million. Like I don't well, know. How about how about on, here's one. How about on average, like in any given year, maybe in the last five ten years, like in an average year. I mean, I'm gonna say five to ten percent of our hours. How about I say that? Okay. Okay. Five to ten percent of our sure. hours are probably. That's a lot. It is. It's a That's lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. Don't hold um, me to that number. Okay, yeah, I, I, just, I, I believe I, that's I, true. I was just curious. Yeah. I like little, you know, fun fun facts. Mm-hmm. I'm all about Jim's all about fun yeah. facts, <laughs> and that that was that seemed like a fun fact. <laughs> all right, who would your your dream nonprofit that we haven't worked with? Do you have you know your one that you just I, I wish wish we could work with them someday. I hope we can work with them someday. So there are a couple non I have a couple answers for okay. you. So one is um, Make-A-Wish America. I'm going to say mm, that. So yeah. we know a lot about Make-A-Wish through the Nebraska chapter. Yeah, um, We've done a lot of great work. And I... Yeah, that would be cool. Right. So like now bringing kind of that same passion yeah. and... Going national with this. Creative thought. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. If we could work with Make-A-Wish America, yeah, I feel yeah. like that would be oh, yeah. um, fun. Oh, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. And I think that we've got some fun and unique wishes here in Nebraska that could have national appeal, which could be interesting. I Um, agree. Good one. So, but a second one that I am going to is more broad. It's not a specific, um, you know, nonprofit. But one of the things that I'm kind of passionate about is early childhood rating. And so any nonprofits kind of associated with the development of ensuring that kids are read to and experience words from zero to five. I think that, Hmm. you know, the development that happens in the zero to five range is a lot in the brain. And so reading and interacting with parents through reading and hearing all of those words through reading really just sets up kids for success moving forward. And so that's kind of one of those things that I, Hmm. I would always be, I'm always interested to, that would be a fun campaign to drive and a good challenge i think yes to try yes to increase. if yeah. you're a leader of a nonprofit that fits that description <laughs> let me give you the number well, <laughs> you just google google, just google it. Just you'll google find it. us you'll find Please us don't call my phone <laughs> <laughs> well here along along those same lines this is final question so you know if you're a nonprofit and and you you know you could use some help I mean, what what would you recommend? You know, a, a tip that you would give to a nonprofit who's looking, you know, that may, that needs, uh, you know, some marketing or advertising, you know, uh, help and in, in, you know, in whatever way. Mm-hmm. What's what's a first step to take if you're a nonprofit? I mean, what do you do? So one of the first things that I usually recommend to any nonprofit is ensuring that you have a marketing professional on your board, or whatever group mm-hmm. you have, your volunteer base, your board, mm-hmm. your whatever it is. Having marketing people, a marketing professional in that space allows you, one, to 
have kind of a consultant, someone who understands marketing, knows where you should start, knows what you're missing, knows what, you know, direction and strategy you should be considering. Um, But they also always have connections, right? So if you have one person on your board who's maybe an art director by trade, a designer by trade, well, you know that they know copywriters and strategists and social Mm -hmm. media people and web people and everyone has their own circles, but ensuring that you have a marketing professional on your board allows you connections and access to all the things you could possibly need in marketing. That's good too. Um, That's good too. So ensuring someone on your board or in your volunteer base has marketing is a a step number one. Because what I'm gonna say is if you are looking for a partnership with an agency or you want to approach an agency or you feel like you need more than what you're currently doing or more than what a marketing professional on your board can give you, my number one thing is have any idea of how that agency can actually help you. Going to an agency saying, I need everything, is really hard. (laughs) Like an agency, it's hard for an agency to say yes to something completely not defined, something that they cannot put into like time and hours and effort and whatever. And so- Just be realistic. Right, so again, going back to having a marketing professional somewhere in your base of people who volunteer and support your organization already, they can help you determine what that is. Yeah. We need a we need a brand strategy. We need a creative message. We need a campaign. We need event materials. We need a new website. Whatever it is, but going to an agency with a defined project, you're much more likely to get a yes yeah. than I need everything yeah. marketing. Yeah. It's just hard to quantify and it's yeah. hard to do. Yeah. So making okay. sure that you okay. have someone in your back pocket. That's where I'm at. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well, hey, Laura, thank you again for joining us thank on this you. very special episode. A warm and fuzzy episode of Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell. And thank you, everyone out there listening. We appreciate it so much. And, you know, if you do us a kindness today, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this podcast? Because, you know, it makes it easy for everybody. You're going to get a notice that we've dropped a new episode, and you'll know it's there waiting for you whenever you want to listen to it. And, you know, if you really like us, if you're, you know, a fanboy or fangirl out there, leave us a, a review, you know. You know, give us some love back. We like that. We like hearing from the fans. So... <laughs> Good job, Jim. Good plug. Good plug. Good work. All right. Well, hey, until next time, this is Jim Mingy signing off from the Bozell Studios at 2215 Harney Street, somewhere in middle America. Mm